Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Well, good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is October 10th, 2013. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, A ton of stuff to get into tonight. I will be joined here shortly by Josh Wiley of the Journalistic Revolution. And um, we're going to get into a whole slew of things tonight. Uh, once again, the new format is an hour show for Tuesdays and Thursday nights with a floating show on the weekend, so stay tuned uh, for the announcement, whether it be on Facebook. You can go and like my page on Facebook under We Are Not Cattle and follow us there. I'll have the updates as far as when the uh, shows are going to go on there, as well as um, I'm going to post it on the website, wearenotcattle.net, and I'm um, going to do some more updates over the site this weekend, so should be a lot of fun. So... I didn't really get a chance to get into the appointment of the new Fed chair. So when Josh gets on here here in a little bit, we want to break that down, what she stands for and what we're facing here as a nation. Obviously, the the Federal Reserve um, is neither federal nor a reserve, so discuss. And what I mean by that is the more I interact with people on a day-to-day basis and the more that I come in contact with average, I would call them average Americans. I don't want to call them the sheeple because it's not really fair to call people sheeple, I don't believe, just because they haven't taken an interest or they've never questioned the reason that things are a certain way. I don't really think that that delineates them into some you know, upstanding group, whereas we, the informed, enlightened um, populace, look down upon them, and I don't want that to be the case at all. Because when you interact with people on a day-to-day basis, you learn things. Like today, I've learned a ton of stuff. There's um, probably, I would say by my estimates, be just by doing the work that I do, I would say that one in maybe 30 Americans, and these are, you know, business-owning Americans... Um, know about the New World Order. So that's pretty cool. But then you have a segment of the population which was, I guess, exposed by um, InfoWars where they did their man on the street and basically got people to sign petitions. You know, 14 out of 20 people signed a petition that once you walk out of your house, you have to wear a helmet because we're just trying to keep everybody safe and and that's what government's job is there to do is to keep you safe. And I think that that's one of the things that um I'm really confused about is where this whole nanny state mentality of the US people came into play because when I grew up it wasn't ever about it wasn't about the government protecting you or it wasn't about you know, 
the cops are supposed to be looking out for your safety. It was just the cops were supposed to stop the bad guys, and they were supposed to leave the citizens alone. Look at me. I'm learning. I didn't use civilians. Holy crap. But now we've turned into an authoritarian nanny state, which has basically gotten out of control by the way of the mainstream media and the mass propaganda, and I want to get into that. If you guys remember, if you've been following my show for a while, about six months ago, I, I mentioned just a brief snippet from one of these uh, Hollywood entertainment articles that talks about how they're going to actually actively propagandize you with Obamacare messages in your in your new sitcoms and dramas. And for those of you that don't know, yes, Hollywood and the government, oh, as well as the Chinese government, are all basically holding hands together and making sure that you get all the information that you need and you don't get any of the information that could be detrimental to them. So with that being said, I do have Josh Wiley of the Journalistic Revolution on the line with me. Josh, thank you so much for joining us, man. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Jake. Well, it's always fun to have you on, dude, because you and I are very um, – I guess we're on the same uh, frequency, so to speak. But um, you know, you and I were interacting before the show even began about um, about the, um, the world um, financial crisis that really could be facing us. And then utilizing the, uh, the shutdown of the government, basically the Democrats and Republicans have – kind of put up the old traditional smokescreen like they did with 9-11 and the Patriot Act to really dupe the American people and then with the new appointment of the Fed chairman, everything's going to be fine now because she's going to come in and print money into oblivion. So, you know, let me play that clip that you sent me before the show even began that I watched, and it's about a five-minute clip, so that will give everybody time to um, – to get settled in here, thank you so much for joining us. Remember, it is the People's Liberty Show, and I'm going to be opening the phones up here in probably about 15 minutes for anybody that wants to call in. I met a lot of new listeners out there, a lot of people that were really actively engaging me in, in good, cogent conversations about what this nation is, what we've turned into, how it's how it's become a basically a dependent state upon the government and how the government is using that as leverage to basically gain in more and more power. So interesting to see a bunch of people willing to have those conversations with complete strangers because that's what we need. So without further ado, I want to turn you guys over to Karen Huds. I've been trying to get her on the podcast for about three months. Um, she and I have been Facebook messaging back and forth. So hopefully um, she and I will be able to have a conversation here um, very, very soon because she is a World Bank whistleblower and she is one of the um, the people on the inside that was able to run the numbers and basically figure out that 43% of the world's wealth is basically controlled by six or eight consortium groups, which if you've studied the New World Order, if you've studied command and control economies, um, this would be um, not a revelation to you, but it's just once again, I guess um, the best word would be reinforcing from the highest level – um, assumptions, I guess, that we already knew about the Federal Reserve System and who was backing it and who benefits and who stands to gain. So without further ado, this is Karen Huds on uh, Russia Today. So enjoy, everybody, and we'll catch you on the backside. Government shutdown. Is the move on the part of the Republicans justified? Is fighting off Obamacare worth all this mess? I think there's something more going on behind the scenes. 
A lot more, actually. What do you mean? Well, uh, there is a terrible uh, currency problem. We're on the verge of a currency war. The uh, Federal Reserve is printing dollars like there's no tomorrow, and if they keep going, the rest of the world is not going to accept them. As it is, the BRICS countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, have decided that they're going to finance the trade among these countries with offsets and pay for the difference in gold. And but this how is, is that connected the right with the shutdown, for them because the U.S. Congress has been fighting with the presidency because the presidency has been in total contempt. And the highest legal officer of the United States government has also been in contempt of Congress in fighting no. this international oh. corruption that is oh. ruining the dollar as an international reserve currency. But, you know, uh, economists have been predicting the dollar will fall ever since the crisis in 2008. But the government has managed to keep it afloat. Well, not for long. If you look at what's going on in the gold and other precious metals markets, silver as well, we're headed towards something called permanent gold backwardation. That means that there's a loss in confidence in the fiat currencies that are issued by those private banks. They like to consider themselves as public banks, but they're really owned by private entities. And these currencies are about to crash because they're valueless. That's what always happens to paper currencies that aren't backed by assets. Mm -hmm. But well, like you've mentioned, gold, gold backwardation, gold is often chanted as perfectly safe investment, an alternative to the dollar even. But how come the price of gold is falling? Because <laughs> of market manipulation. But that can only continue for so long because the central banks are running out of gold and the rest of the world are lining up to buy them. If you want to buy gold today, you have to pay a premium. What they're offering in the future is called a naked short. They don't have the gold to back those offers. That's illegal what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I will get back to gold in a bit, but for now, I would like to uh, focus on Obamacare. In your opinion, is Obamacare really that crucial for the U.S. economy? What you have is something that's very good for the medical insurers. Yes. Because most of the other countries that offer medical coverage do this through a single issuer. And that's not what we have here. What we have here is a bill that was drafted by the medical insurance companies. It's not good for this economy. It never was. But why? Why do you say it's not good? Because what's happening is the workers that worked full-time are being put deliberately on part-time basis so that the companies can avoid giving them medical insurance coverage under the provisions of the law. Mm -hmm. You know, this Obamacare thing, uh, I've heard it many times being compared to socialism, communism sometimes even. Do you trace the resemblance? That's just because the mainstream media, when they report about what's going on, are doing it by telling lies and anything that's good for the powers that be. The, main, the mainstream media is completely owned and controlled by the same companies, private companies, that own the Federal Reserve System. Most of the American citizens are clueless about the corruption that's rifling their economy. But just to make sure, are you saying that everything about Obamacare is bad? Or are there good things about it? No, of course there are good things about it. But the problem is that the people that wanted to get a 
decent coverage were not given the tools, they were not given the equipment, they were not given the press coverage, the honest press coverage that a, a, a society needs to enact just legislation. Their Congress people are all bribed by these corrupt forces. So and the point, American citizens have zero confidence in their Congress. So at this point, you side with the Republicans for blocking the, 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 the Medicare? I'm not siding with Democrats or Republicans, because both of those parties have been co-opted by this terrible corrupt force that I'm talking about. What we have right now is Americans being forced to get health insurance. How does All right, so Josh, the floor is yours. Care to explain what um, Karen just broke down for everybody and why Obamacare is just a big tax to the to the Federal Reserve, aka the mega banks? Oh my goodness. Well, uh, she said a lot of things there, but uh, I think the thing most important to note about Obamacare is not. Uh, it's not even a socialized healthcare program like you see in, in Canada or the UK or France, uh, all of which are incredibly inefficient and uh, not at all cost effective. But it is. It's a bill that was uh, essentially, if you want to draw it along party lines, it was written by Republicans and passed by Democrats. Uh, Yay! You know, more the... <laughs> Look, they can work together, people. Come on. Yeah, and and look at all the wonders they do when they uh, when when bipartisanship is is, is instilled, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's so amazing that people forget that the Founding Fathers set this stuff up so there would be gridlock, there would be stalemates, and that laws wouldn't get passed willy-nilly. I don't know where we all believe that um, the government laws and regulations are what's going to save this place. But continue, man. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's really the crux of this with with Obamacare in that it is uh, – it's essentially a license for uh, medical insurers to, to print money. And uh, and also to decrease the quality of care uh, given uh, over time, uh, especially mm -hmm. as these premiums start to rise, you're going to see that you're going to get a lot less medical care uh, for for your money. That that's that's for certain. Um, mm -hmm. But some some of the other things that she said uh, even later on in that that interview are are fairly interesting. Uh, as, as she's completely and utterly correct in that the United States and the East are, are certainly prepare, preparing for some kind of uh, currency war. Uh, I, I would argue that. They've been in one for, for quite some time now, uh, mm -hmm. and it all goes back to this massive wealth transfer from west to east uh, where, uh, as, as Karen touched on, uh, we see large financial institutions have, that have naked shorts and metals positions, mm -hmm. uh, and they're, they're raking in the dough, manipulating the, the metals market, and right. at the same time, leasing out America's gold to, to mainly the Far East. Mm -hmm. And isn't it amazing how... Um Number one, we never have a really fair tally on how much gold we have. Uh, when Germany asks us to produce the gold that we are holding for them, we tell them it's going to be what? What did we tell them? It would be 10 years before we could fulfill that? It's, um, I think that's what the Fed said when Germany asked for their gold back from the Federal yeah. Reserve. The Fed said that, oh, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll get you back in like 10 years. You, you guys are all right. Don't worry. And the, we got it. And the yeah, there were all kinds of strange stipulations that mm -hmm. uh, that, that were put in place. So, like, uh, Germany was allowed to physically see the gold, but they weren't yep. allowed to be in the same room with it or touch it. Uh, so, mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned, you know, that those could be those uh, lead bars, and bars, bars man. Exactly, you know, and we we saw this uh, actually in the 80s, uh, mm -hmm. or was it the 70s, uh, when when a, when a large amount of essentially tungsten filled gold bars started to hit the market, and they were all sourced back to to the treasury. 
Uh, mm-hmm. So that doesn't instill much market confidence. But uh, Jake, I, I gotta say, I don't know this. This Karen uh, Karen Hud, uh, sounds kind of like a crazy person uh, mm-hmm. because Bart Shilton and the CFTC declared that there was no manipulation in the metals market. So oh well, then there we go. <laughs> Because right. you can always trust the people that that are holding the money and always trust the people that own the big banks. I mean, that's just a given. So, yeah. you know, let's um let's talk about why America is in the position that we're in. You know, I did want to get into this and and I wanted to touch on I wanted to kind of do a basic overview of what a technocrat is and and how we've been maneuvered into this position financially. And that Washington now, along with the Federal Reserve, is really going to hold the nation hostage with this you know, impending debt ceiling coming up. And I, I want to see how this is all going to play out because in my mind's eye, what I see is going to happen is that, once again, Washington will do anything it can to either gain more attention or more power so that you understand how – you know how much you need them up there to protect you or to, you know, to make sure that everything's going to run smoothly. And my prediction would be a couple of days before the debt ceiling, there's going to be a big hoopla. There's they're talking about extending it for a couple of weeks, which I think would be a good idea. But then again, how far do we want to kick this can down the road and and really postpone the debt ceiling and and just before we just finally just say, "Hey, let's Let's rein it all in. Let's rein in all the spending. Or what do you think happens? Do you think that, that we get the proverbial grandstanding from Washington, the market reacts when we have the, the, the quote-unquote agreement, and then market goes up by 2 or 3%, and then all the Americans go back to sleep again? What do you think happens with this in the financial position that we're in um, as a nation and as, a, uh, as basically a debtor nation to China? Well, I, I guess let's really be clear with this debt ceiling debate. Uh, as with the last debt ceiling debate, uh, I call it a debate. Uh, really, this is well-scripted uh, political theater. Grandstand. Uh, yep. Y- exactly. So, so of course, uh, an administration or a set of administrations uh, and, a, and a managerial class that, that mm-hmm. only knows how to kick the can down the road uh, will mm-hmm. inevitably continue to kick the can down the road until they run out of road. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, people like ourselves – and probably a lot of our listeners can see that the road is getting incredibly short, and whether or not that road leads to hyperinflation or um, uh, a term coined um, – oh, geez, who was it who coined this term? Oh, it was uh, Anton, Antal Fichetti, or Fichet, mm-hmm. who's uh, – he's the, the guy who started to – starting to revive uh, the original Austrian school of economics based more on the philosophy of Karl Menger as opposed, okay. to, uh, as opposed to Mises. But he, he coined the term mm-hmm. hyperdeflation. Um, mm-hmm. which, which is certainly a possibility because this, uh, as, as manipulated as these markets are, um, mm-hmm. we, we are, we are seeing sticky, sticky prices, sticky wages. Uh, the velocity of money has gone down significantly. So despite the fact that the federal reserve is printing untold sums of money and will no doubt continue to print money mm-hmm. at an escalated rate with Janet Yellen, uh, coming mm-hmm. in to, to chair the oh, federal reserve. Man. No, but these, I mean, uh, there's nine amazing. Listen, the Washington Post wrote nine amazing facts about this woman. She's almost as good as Paul Volcker. I mean, come on, Josh. Doesn't that just get you excited? Oh, and and the 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 buzz on CNBC the other day was oh she's a she's a woman. Uh, so uh, what the you know, hell another, does that have another anything to do with it? 
It's so ridiculous. Know. Watching the media is so – if you're awake, watching the media is so freaking ridiculous, especially watching the lamestream media. And it was funny. I had a conversation with a guy today. Um, we were We were basically just chatting about – He's like, I can't stand Fox and I can't stand CNN. He's like, you look at – he goes, you look at the bottom ticker, and they have the exact same story, but their slants are completely different. And I said, sir, you got it, man. That's the right-left paradigm right there. I said, you know, the only thing that's really going to maybe save Washington, D.C. – and when I say save Washington, D.C., I mean save the Obama administration – might be the media because – I'm looking at one, two – I've got three articles right here talking about how unbelievably oppressive the Obama regime is towards reporters, and then we still see the blind trust in these guys. Why Why do you think that's so, man? Oh, as as far as blind blind trust uh, within the managerial the, class? With, within, well, yeah, the managerial class and the administration itself. Like why does – um. I just don't understand why the media outlets or just one of them would not have some balls and just come out and say, look, we're being told to shut up. Stuff's getting crazy up here. We might default on a debt. They're trying to tell us to tell you guys that everything's cookies, but everything is not fine. So you know, hang on to your britches. And the Brinks thing is is another thing that I wanted to get into. But but why do you think that the mainstream media is so bought and paid for, and why don't they just have – why can't one of them have a shred of a spine and just come out and tell it like it is? Well, I mean it, it, our mainstream media is uh, – all of our media for the most part is, is structured inherently in, in this way. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, when John Taylor Gatto, who uh, is is more of an educator, but he, he, he sat down and co- had a conversation – uh, with a with a guy I believe who was a was a former Yale administrator and and taught at some some fairly prominent uh, public schools and and he sat down with this guy and uh, essentially told him point blank he's like you know you as well as I know how how corrupt uh, the the public education system is and how college admission really works why doesn't mm-hmm. anybody talk about this and he simply said mm-hmm. not a good way to get tenure so these lower level player players uh, especially at media at these sort of media outlets. Uh, you know, a lot of them, I'm sure, see the corruption on a daily basis, but um, uh, are not not courageous in, enough to to stand up and say anything. And I think that uh, based on the fact that we're essentially these networks now hire people that that are not uh, analysts for their intellectual fortitude, but more mm-hmm. their um, their kind of Hollywood esque production style and good looks. You know, okay, uh, yeah, people, I would agree with people, that. Exactly. They they didn't they don't have much uh, I guess intellectual character to begin with. Uh, let alone enough to 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 buck the establishment, and the few that that do inevitably end up being forced out uh, or discredited. Uh, so it's a sad state of affairs, certainly, but I don't see that changing anytime soon, at least uh, for the boob tube. Or they can, or they can turn into Glenn Beck, and you know they can go off and write books books about Moloch and the and the occult and whatever, dude. It's it's so <laughs> weird. It's so weird to see how that stuff happens, and then you have people that are so conditioned. To um and and you know I I always spin it back to to my parents' day and age and the reason that I say that is that um in my parents' day and age my parents will be um my dad will be seventy here coming up and um what happened when they actually did have news back in their day and it was like hardcore hard hitting news because you had one hour because the way that the news was structured you had one hour of of guaranteed programming. To, funny enough, programming um, 
that you could actually have news of, from all over the world. You would have a local segment. You would have news from all over the world, and it was pretty factually accurate. And then what happened when Ted Turner got into the game and said, I'm going to do 24 hours worth of news, then you started seeing the the slants come in. And then they found out with other shows like um, Entertainment Tonight and things like that that I grew up with, you started seeing a mixture of news and entertainment, and now we are completely come full circle, and we are we are basically watching infotainment. You are not getting the news story. You're getting a a portion of it. Do you remember when the woman that was um, murdered by the police force that you know all the um, all the Senate and House members stood up and applauded? You know, and defending the great city from the girl that was panicking because she rolled up to a military checkpoint and had no clue what was going on. And as I said on my show, I'm like, the woman's either on psychotropic drugs or she had drugs in her car, one of the two, and she just panicked. And turns out that that's exactly what happened. She panicked. They shoot her in cold blood. They yank the kid out of the car. The cops are the big saviors. They get the big grandstanding over in Washington. But that's what we get when we have this infested culture where everything is sensationalized, everything. And there's no real story anymore. Everything has to be over the top. And the and the more we get down this rabbit hole, I see the more society degrading. What do you think, man? Oh yeah, absolutely. This this cultural degradation that we're seeing has, has certainly been planned for quite some time. You know, this is uh this is a script um, I, I often like to quote, I believe it was G. Edward Griffin who said that, you know, if these people truly were incompetent, and I par- I'm paraphrasing, then they would, they would occasionally make a mistake in our favor, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's simply not the case. But, you know, you talk about the history of, of the news cycle and 24-hour news and when eugenicist one-child policy uh, advocate Ted Turner really stepped up to the plate. There was a significant shift in tone. An, uh, yeah, well, excuse me. What an asshole, by the way, to come out and say, well, the world's got too many people. Meanwhile, the guy's got five kids. All right, Ted. Just get, All right, somebody go give Ted a gun and say, all right, two of your kids got to go. world's got too many people, though, Ted. I, I'm all about uh, uh, population control if I get to pick uh, who goes, and I don't think Ted Turner would be on the list. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, but yeah, no, but that's you know, a really I, I, good that's a really good segue into how the technocrats really operate when we're talking about the media and then the gatekeepers. So let's break down for people. Let's see if we can do this in about ten minutes. How the actual consortium really works and and the different levels that you have. Obviously, you have the media is one level, and then we we touched on the educational system. And let's talk about how the educational system really does feed into the paradigm really briefly from from the Prussian model of education that we currently are under and how that feeds into the into the upper echelon um upper echelon schools such as the quote unquote Ivy League schools. Why don't you, if you want to break that down for everybody really quick and then I can take the the media portion of it. Oh, sure thing. And uh you know this uh the 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 history of education, you know, uh is a fascinating one and I think there's there's certainly a reason you don't learn it in school. Um, but I really do think that this is the crux of uh, of, of the mind control empire, uh, simply because this is, you know, it's, it's your most intellectually malleable age, and you're essentially being raised by a series of strangers. Uh, it's it's very stressful to to the psyche, uh, whether you realize it or not, and it causes a lot of uh, psychological damage. But yeah, the people who set up this system, uh, you know, which did originate in Prussia, uh, set it up deliberately to to make either good workers for a factory line or good soldiers. Uh, people who would follow orders, 
Uh, you know, school is structured this way inherently. There's the ringing of bells, which is Pavlovian conditioning. You know, it teaches kids that no one subject is, is too important to spend much time on, at least more than an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, but but I guess it really all ties back into into that magical date uh, uh, in 1913 uh, when the Federal Reserve Act is created um, because it also established uh, essentially the tax havens for the rich in the form of uh, nonprofit uh, foundations mm-hmm. uh, and and the these financial empires like the Carnegie uh, Carnegie Endowment and the uh, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> excuse you and sorry the, man uh, sorry it's don't sweat day. it. I hear you. And so the like the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, uh the the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh the Rockefeller Foundation which of course go on to uh to found many of these uh elite private and some public schools uh at mm-hmm. at the university level. Um it, it's essentially a, a program to to indoctrinate the masses. And uh if people want to know more about that, I highly recommend that they check out an interview on YouTube with uh, uh G Edward Griffin. Uh, interviewing a guy by the name of Norman Dodd. Uh, Norman Dodd was uh, a guy who was set up to investigate these uh, these tax tax free foundations and and found that the worst was absolutely true that they uh, were uh, they existed essentially solely to to manipulate the minds of of young Americans. Um, and when he essentially he was the chief researcher for the Reese Committee, which is a congressional mm-hmm. committee that was staffed with with kind of investigating the, the scandal and when he uh came out with this information the Reese committee uh quickly disbanded uh through a, a series of kind of kind of blunders or blunders or uh or staged events i mean you can be the judge of that but i think it's a mm-hmm. fascinating listen well and and once you once you have the mind, I mean Hitler said that before. He said that it doesn't matter about the parents; we have the kids. It's kind of that same mentality. And yes, we've been classically conditioned. And 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 I think that it's very it's very interesting and very well thought out. Also, in the fact that the the controllers and and the people that came up with these programs to in essence create a a um a subservient worker class in order to hold on to the debt. And and become basic wage slaves for the rest of their lives. Hence your social security card and birth certificate, everybody. And that is a very fun investigation if you want to go down that road. But you know, if, if it really does bring it all down to that, they would like to have a a slave class because they believe that if they can figure all this stuff out. And correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but from everything that I've read, this is kind of the way that the, the way that they see it. If they can figure out how to game and rig the system, and you're you're just too stupid or not cold-blooded enough to to go along with it or to do it yourself, then therefore might makes right. Is that pretty much the the way that you would see it from from everything that you've read? Oh, absolutely. And I, I would argue that they already and have for quite some time had their slave population, right? You know, mm-hmm. like uh, if, yeah. if you if you have a, a bunch of cattle on a farm and you take really good care of them. Uh, that you know that at the end of the day you're still going to bring them to slaughter at some point, right? And the cow mm-hmm. is is too ignorant to to understand that doesn't have doesn't have the capability of understanding it. What's so sad about the human condition as it exists right now is that humans aren't cattle, right? Mm-hmm. We are not cattle. <laughs> oh, um, how ironic! Exactly. That was we not scripted, everybody. That was not scripted, everybody. But that is the reason I came up with the website and the show. Exactly. Go ahead. We, we, we aren't animals, right? We have we have uh, the ability to think in between stimulus and response. 
And, and so many Americans don't use that stimulus. And, and what that means is that uh, th this elite ruling class has intellectual leverage over us. Uh, they have, and, and they have leverage of force as well. So, uh, you know, if, if you're working for a major corporation uh, at, at any level, or even if you're working for, for a small business that, that sources most of its, uh, its sellable components or, or goods to, from major corporations, then essentially you're already in the control grid nexus, right? Yeah, absolutely. And now when you look at the way that the the power structure operates. Obviously, you have the you have the tools for for molding the minds of of men with the um, with the educational system, and then the higher degrees of education, and then you know you get your your Rhodes scholars and all those, and they're made out to be so great. Oh, he's a Rhodes scholar. Briefly <laughs> break down what the Cecil Rhodes Roundtable was for people, so that they can understand when the when a Rhodes scholar, when you hear that somebody's a Rhodes scholar, that means that that they are a true insider and they know what the game plan is. So, can you break it down briefly for us, Josh? Sure thing. Well, uh, you know, we we uh, hear a lot from Rhodes scholars all the time. You know, they range mm -hmm. from presidents like Bill Clinton to to media talking heads like uh, Rachel Maddow, uh, mm -hmm. or even people who who are seemingly uh, kind of on quote unquote our side. People like General mm -hmm. Wesley Clark. Oh uh, yeah. Who. who who? Yeah, exactly. Uh, who? Who? You know, so many people uh, after seeing his most recent confrontation with Luke Radowski, uh expressed a lot of grief and sadness, uh, saying essentially, "Oh, they got to him. This is why he's changed his position." No, they always mm -hmm. had him. You don't. Mm -hmm. You got to understand how this stuff works. So the Rhodes Scholarship uh, essentially was was set up uh, in the last will and testament of Cecil John Rhodes. And Cecil Rhodes was a student of Carl or John Ruskin, excuse me. And John yeah. Ruskin was a was a eugenicist who essentially believed um, in in the glory of of the British Empire and the glory of of, of Western European Anglo-Saxon culture. And he right, the Anglo-American culture. Yep. Exactly. So he believed that that the the uh, that England could could spread this culture throughout the planet and and Anglify the world, and it would be this beautiful, wonderful thing. And Cecil mm -hmm. Rhodes uh, shared that sympathy. So uh, when he stumbled upon uh, a massive uh, hoard of diamonds in South Africa, um, he became the most one of the most wealthy people on the planet. Uh, died in 1906 or 1907, and took his his massive wealth uh, from this De Beers diamond cartel, which still exists to this day and still controls uh, over 90% of all diamond mines in the world. Uh, mm -hmm. which is why they're not allowed to operate in, in the United States through antitrust laws. They have to uh, ship these diamonds in through companies like Tiffany's. But, but he sets up in his last will and testament uh, a system of, of, of fulfilling John Ruskin's dream of making uh, essentially a, an, an anglified world. And this is done through a myriad of different ways that he laid out. Uh, he created a rings-within-rings structure, very similar to the way the, the Bavarian Illuminati operated. Uh, mm -hmm. he, he told people that he wanted to, again, corrupt education. He wanted to, to use uh, something, again, called the Rhodes Scholarship uh, mm -hmm. to, to give money to up-and-coming globalist thinkers who, who could essentially be intellectuals in the back pocket uh, of mm -hmm. this movement. Uh, through, so he does this through a lot of different means, and and uh, he again Cecil Rhodes died before the implementation of of any, for the most part any of this. Um, but the the interesting thing is that at some point uh, the people, his benefactors in this inner circle, decided that the European Empire or the the, the British Empire was not mm -hmm. the best way to propagate his plan, and instead mm -hmm. they shifted to 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 again the Anglo-American Empire, bringing right. America into the fold and using the American Empire. 
uh, as this method of, of spreading this 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 kind of Anglo-American idea across the planet. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess it's a, it, it's a lost bit of history that, that people really need to, to kind of focus in on. Yeah, I think you get touched on it very briefly as you go through history class, but it's never really expanded upon and never really noted. And, you know, obviously duly noted because why would they want you to understand that they're trying to run and basically a global takeover in the background – so I'm going to open up the phones here. Uh, anybody that wants to call in, you are more than welcome to, 602-753-1916. Once again, this is the People's Liberty Show. You are listening to uh, We Are Not Cattle along with uh, Josh Wiley from the Journalistic Revolution. And um, we're just having conversations here trying to lay it out for you guys, what the technocrats really are, how they operate, how all the systems of control are in place. Now, another thing that I would like to say, Josh, is that I've been watching this show, and I'm going to throw a little bit of pop culture in there because you and I – by the way, that is one of the things that we have to do this weekend somehow – (laughs) is we have to get on our decoding of propaganda. And we are – Josh and I are going to launch some um, uh, joint ventures together over the next – I would say the next couple months before my daughter gets here. So you guys keep on the lookout for that, and once I have um, once I have our I guess game plan together, I'll let everybody know what it is. But look forward to it. It's going to be some really interesting stuff. We're going to do um, I think I, I guess it'd be like what New World Order um, for dummies, or you know the basics of uh, the Anglo American Empire. What do you think? What do you think, Josh? Is uh, yeah, that I, what I, you were I, thinking about? I was thinking New World Order 101, but I like New World Order for dummies much better. <laughs> okay. That's very clever. But, um, well, yeah, I mean, you it, know, kind of just breaking this stuff down for people. And and just doing it in a – look, you don't have to go and read all the books. I just downloaded John P. Holdren's Science to my phone, and I'm going to start reading that every time I'm stuck at a traffic light or, or if I'm just sitting in an office waiting somewhere. So you, know, you do have the ability to go out and, and – and really investigate these things for yourselves, and we're going to give you the, uh, I guess what would be considered good jumping-off points, good books to read to get you kind of wrapped around it. If you want to understand the the world banking empire, um, a, a good book for me that was pretty, uh, a pretty much a first-hand account was um, was uh, John Perkins' uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, and and how they utilize global financial currencies along with um, international corporations to basically go and leverage out economies of other nations and, and, and basically hold them hostage to a debt that they know that they'll never pay back. But that's just a portion of it. So we've covered um, the technocrats from the, the educational standpoint and how they select um, people to go into the Ivy League schools. And one thing that is really um, – that we really do need to note, if anybody has met somebody from an Ivy League school – you understand, after talking with them for a few minutes, you understand that, that they don't really operate on the same plane that we do. And what I mean by that is that they are typically entrenched with their own, um, I guess, their own veritas about how great they all are individually. And so when you get them as a collective, they do start believing that they are the the upper crust. And yes, you probably are the upper crust. You can score well on tests. You have... You know, you have um, great astute study habits or something like that, and you can bring a lot to the table for a large corporation or whatever endeavor you're going into. But what happens is you have – it basically turns into a click, 
And this is how, once again, what Josh was talking about, the rings within rings, this is how the things get set up, is that they use the manipulation of your psyche, what they know that humans will covet, what they know that you will that you won't rebel against, and they use those as tools to manipulate you and tools to get you to join things or do things that you normally wouldn't do, but through the associated peer pressures that you'll have or your just natural drive to be competitive, you'll do things that are just kind of out of, um, I guess, out of character for you. And that's when you really start seeing these people um, doing devious things, and that's how they kind of find uh, the cream of the crop, if you will, of the people that will do the most devious, the most ruthful, ruthless, and just the ones that are the most willing to succeed typically are the ones that rise to the top. And then sometimes you have the people that are, you know, that are Yale graduates and stuff like that and have been brought into the inner circles and they go to the complete opposite end of the spectrum like the uh, like the founder of Oath Keepers that got, you know, invited to all the the secret clubs and he was like, "Wait a minute, you guys are going to try to do what now?" No, I'm not really a big fan of this. So you do have people that will turn against the establishment. But let's talk about how media plays into this. Now, Josh, well, the last sorry, time I – oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, buddy. Just really quickly before we move on to the media because I think you brought up an excellent point uh, about the way uh, these, these Ivy League institutions select their students specifically. Uh, mm -hmm. I think John Taylor Gatto is the, is the premier researcher on education in the 20th and 21st century. And you can actually find this book for free on his website as a PDF. Uh, it's johntaylorgatto.com. Uh, it's called The Underground History of American Education. He goes into how uh, these essentially public, uh, private excuse me, high schools uh, like Andover, a lot of East Coast institutions, uh, Cranbrook here in Michigan is one of them, uh, are, are feeders for these Ivy League institutions, and they're feeders more for, for the, the ilk of secret societies. But the way uh, individuals are selected for, for Ivy League uh, admittance, uh, they have a bit of a different uh, category or, or uh, a bit of a different uh, selection methodology than most major colleges. They're not at all concerned with test scores or GPAs. Mm -hmm. uh, Ivy League institutions know inherently that test scores mean nothing, Right. So no, they, because it's they, just it's it's basically um, rinse and repeat um, methodology. It's here, learn this portion, and then do this, and then repeat, and you're now oh now look, you're educated. You can repeat a bunch, and that's why we have a nation like we do today because critical thinking, reading, writing, and arithmetic was eliminated. So yeah, continue, absolutely, Josh. Absolutely, yeah. It, it's uh it's indoctrination for most and and education for the rest, right? But yep. the, the way these these students are selected is they they like people who are who are essentially kind of uh, ideological uh, radicals or, or, or malcontents. Uh, they like people who don't necessarily score the best on tests or have the best GPAs, but um, but but are, are very astute nonetheless. Uh, and and the most one of the most uh, interesting categories that I think again this is all in John Taylor Gatto's book um, is that they like people who who don't play team sports who who do individual activities, but mm -hmm. particularly physical individual activities that cause great harm. Uh, or, or the potential of great harm to the to the player, like things like horseback riding uh, or, or competitive skiing, downhill mountain or mountain climbing, things like this mm -hmm. uh, that that show uh, essentially a reckless disdain for not only one's own life but human life in general. Right, this idea that that your life isn't that important, that the rush is what's important, uh, right. which again is a, is is the perfect mentality for what we talked about at the beginning of the show, techno technocrats. Right, mm -hmm. people who don't value human life very much, but are incredibly uh, intelligent polymaths. 
So they're good yeah. at a lot of things, and they're good at managing things, uh, and they don't care about human life. So they, they have no problem managing uh, the population in, in similar terms. Yeah, and then – well, I mean that also feeds into the to the media aspect of things because if you don't really value human life, if you don't really have an overall sense of community, whether it's a community within the um, imaginary borders drawn by politicians that we consider nation states or even counties or cities to that point, if you don't have that, then – then looking at something that goes on in Egypt that you know is a is a actual rebellion against a a dictator that has gone way off his rocker that has his basic his army or his minions firing at the army and trying to really overthrow the nation and then he gets elected a radical gets elected once again as you were stating Josh and then the media has their job to go and report it but then if you have somebody that's at the top that's not really letting this information come out because, once again, if it's something that happens over there or the way that they look at it, um, most of these people are just cannon fodder for their grand game, and their grand game is global domination. And so the media will not let you in on the big fat secret because they have too much skin in the game because they're not just working – you know, to provide you news, that is not what they are there for. They are there to propagandize you. They are there to make you buy the lie. And I think that we're starting to see, and that's why we're starting to see the downfall of the mainstream media. And you're starting to even see mainstream media cover things like Bilderberg, like Jake Tapper did last year, where he covered Bilderberg, and it was like, well, you know, a bunch of conspiracy theorists say that a bunch of global elite are getting together and they're going to meet in secret for three days, so what's the big deal? And he's like, well, this actually kind of is a big deal because nobody ever takes notes and nobody talks about what they talk about in here, so I don't know. And they probably ran it at like 3 in the morning like they always do with these things. But you look at people like Amber Lyon that were really covering real journalism and you know, a two-time Emmy Award winner, and, and she gets basically stonewalled over there. And says, you can't report this because this doesn't go along with our narrative. And so, you know, when I interviewed Ben Swan, he talked about how they do have they do have a, a preconceived narrative. And what really got me is when he talked about um wire stories. And that's what really got me is that they will get something from the main hub. Let's say CNN's the main hub or Fox is the main hub, and then they get a, they write a story, whether it be true or untrue, it doesn't really matter. They disseminate that all to the uh, the local affiliates, and then the local affiliates don't fact-check it. They don't do anything. They just basically read the story that was given to them, and that's what we're seeing in the media, and it's even becoming more corrupt where, where everybody's kind of taking the same approach. And you see that they used to have the – you know, Fox used to be fair and balanced, and I, I don't know where they come up with these stupid slogans before, but – you see how the media is actually working together against the people, and I think that that's what the people are starting to realize now is that what we're getting, whether it be Fox or CNN, is not real news. It's there to distract you. It's there to push the narrative. It's there to push the agenda. So that being said, let's talk about our Lord and Savior, President Obama. Let's talk about him, Josh. And it – oh, and I do want to cover the uh, – I do want to cover the um, – the the uh, Obamacare is coming to prime time. So once again, not only are you going to get government just pure propaganda through CN, uh, MSNBC, and um, and what's the um, what's the other freaking um, outfit? The Daily Beast is that it? 
Is that the one that's uh, written by all? Yeah, I think. I, I I'm, I'm fairly, sure, I'm fairly sure that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not only do you get that, let's talk about this AP report, and I'll just, um, I'll read a little bit of it, Josh, and then we'll, because we're, we're running up against it here, and I do want to get into some other stuff, but. Um, then this says, report, Obama brings chilling effect on journalism. This was uh, by the Associated Press. And it says, the government's aggressive persecution of leaks and efforts to control information have a chilling effect on journalists and government whistleblowers, according to a report released on Thursday on the U.S. press freedoms under, under the Obama administration. The Committee to Protect Journalists conducted its first examination of the U.S. press freedoms amid the Obama administration administration's unprecedented number of persecutions of government sources and seizures of journalists' records. Basically, if you blow the whistle on them, they're going to come and point guns at you and say, give up your sources, which is highly, highly illegal, violation of the First Amendment all the way down to the Magna Carta. I mean, you cannot do this to people if they have a journalistic integrity. They, they shouldn't have to give up their sources. That's why they're called journalists. And it says, usually group focuses on advocating for press freedoms abroad. And it says, Leonard Downey, a former executive editor of the Washington Post, yeah, there you go, that's a good one, um, wrote a 30-page analysis entitled The Obama Administration and the Press. And in the report notes that Obama came into an office pledging an open, transparent government after criticizing the Bush administration had fallen short of his promise. But he has fallen short of his promise is what he says. And he says, in quote, in the Obama administration's White House, government officials are increasingly afraid to talk to the press. And it goes on to say the administration's war on leaks and efforts control the information are the most aggressive scene since the Nixon administration. And when I was one of the editors involved in the Washington Post's investigation of Watergate. So this is a pretty high up guy coming out and saying that this is the most pressure that we've felt as journalists. Since the good old days of Nixon. Now, Josh, do you think it's because of all the scandals they have coming out that they are just trying to really keep a lid on this thing before Obama gets impeached? What do you make of all this? Uh, I, I certainly I, – I, first of all, I don't think he, he will be impeached. Um, oh, come on, uh, man. I asked Ben Swan that, and he said no. I'm just trying to get – I'm trying to rabble-rouse. Let's get these people going. Let's get these let's, – let's, can we fire somebody at least? Good God. Well, while it would be very entertaining to watch, uh, I don't think that uh, any of the other globalist comptrollers that they'd put in that office would uh, would be much different. But yeah, I, I do think. But this dude, is, Joe uh, Biden would be so easy to see through. It'd be just it would be like looking. <laughs> that'd be so awesome. Joe Biden is your president. Everybody, get ready. Oh my goodness, I don't I don't even want to imagine that. There'd be uh, lots of drunken press conferences. I, I can imagine. But yeah, hey I really Josh, do this think is Josh. This is a big fucking deal. I'm president now. all right go ahead man i'm sorry i'm getting silly guys this news is so crazy if you don't laugh every once in a while you're gonna go completely insane go ahead buddy yeah i mean how how else can you deal with some of this stuff but just to laugh at it on occasion right but uh, exactly but i i I really do uh agree with you wholeheartedly on that point uh that you know the obama administration is is simply doing a lot of damage control um, because uh, Barack Obama, for for being such uh, for being the anointed one, uh, mm-hmm. his administration uh, is certainly uh, not nearly as tactful as past administrations mm-hmm. uh, in the way not only they manage foreign policy, the way they manage uh, uh, policy here at home, 
but especially with uh, the way that, that leaks are handled uh, and the way journalists, uh, journalism is, is handled in this country. And I think this is certainly not, not a new uh, topic, but mm-hmm. I, I think that it, it's, it's starting to come to the forefront, really, with the growth of the alternative media and, and this, this really substantive debate uh, that, that's being had in higher levels in American politics right now in, in terms of who is actually credentialed press. You know, obviously, the, the fourth estate should be anyone with a, with a camera and a microphone and something to say. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're seeing a push right now to, to essentially uh, change the definition of journalism, to, to make yeah. uh, journalism essentially a, a, a corporate-controlled media entity, and anyone else ha- has no protections under the law, whether you're a whistleblower or a journalist, right? That's absolutely insane, and I talked to Ben Swan about that, and that was one of um, Diane Frankenstein's um, bills that she <laughs> wanted to put through. I, yep. I, I have no, I, I don't know, I don't know what a demon looks like, but if I could just envision one, and I'm sorry, Diane, you might be a a really sweet lady um, somehow, some way, but good <laughs> lord, do you write some bad policy? Holy cow! I mean, I don't understand what you're thinking. I mean, I guess that she thinks that they're just maybe that they're on an island and that we're all the serfs, and I, I don't know. I don't. I do not get that mentality that that some of these people in Washington have. And I still haven't figured out how she, how California has not fired her yet. I mean, how do you just keep reelecting this woman? I don't get it. I really don't, Because man. I guess the people in California are just as brain damaged as, as Dianne Feinstein. And I mean that in a, in a, in a serious way. Uh, if, if you have a left or right brain imbalance, you are brain damaged, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the, this, this kind of control mechanism, this left brain imbalance that we see with so many... Uh, Americans and, and and people who have bought into uh, the the technocratic rule of society without even really realizing what that agenda fully means uh, mm-hmm. ha- have signed on to a lot of these policies. You know, Th- this kind of Mr. and Mrs. America turn in your guns uh, type attitude, right? Where you know it's become so much more pervasive. Uh, mm-hmm. But the to, I guess the thing that that always flabbergasts me is that Diane Feinstein sits up there in Capitol Hill and many other people. Uh, do this as well as if they are uh, the comptrollers of the world, you know. But mm-hmm. when uh, when the when the venerable shit hits the fan, uh, I, I think a lot of these uh, these supposed insiders are going to be uh, shocked to find out uh, exactly where they fall in <laughs> in in the grand scheme of things. I don't think Diane Feinstein is someone that is uh, that 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 these these people are going to go out of their way to protect, right? Now she and her husband are worth like over hundreds of millions of dollars. He's like some hotel. I can't remember what he does. Oh, I read like aren't they all? This, oh, it's just really ridiculous. It, it's really ridiculous why these pe- how these people run the country. But I guess you know it's 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 two things. It's it's laziness on the behalf of the American public, which you know I'm going to put and I I do it every show. I'm going to put a lot of the onus on us, everybody, because we haven't been paying attention. We haven't been doing our job the way that this democratic republic is supposed to work. If you do look at the way that it's supposed to work, you are supposed to write your congressperson and tell them how to vote. You're not supposed to just elect them and say, hey, man, go get them, and then when they F up, you get pissed off at them. You have no right to get pissed off if you never told them what you wanted, if you never told them how to vote, if you never showed up to a town hall meeting and talked to these people. It's on you. Don't look at them and blame them just because you're lazy and you want to sit around and watch football all day. That's fine, but at the end of the day, a lot of the onus is going to go on you. 
Now, that's me ranting for a second because I deal with these people on a day-to-day basis, and it's just absolutely astonishing to me how many people don't care. They would love to sit around and bitch about – they'll love to sit around and bitch about how messed up the government is and stuff like that. But if you ask them to even pick up a sign or go to a protest, no, man, I can't do that. Georgia plays at 12, man. Can't go down – what? I can't go down there, man. I'll miss a game. What do you – dude – you're not going to have any money. That's what I try to explain to these people sometimes. It's like when you try to explain to people the, the the fractional reserve banking system and how it works and how we can't keep printing money. Well, dude, the stock market's up. I, look, the stock market is not the be-all, end-all of the economy. I know that you were sold that shit in the 80s, but it is not the be-all, end-all of the economy. The economy operates well outside of Wall Street. And if you do what I do for a living and go around and talk to business owners every day, everybody's struggling. And it's not just because of Obamacare. It's because you're getting absolutely gang-raped by a bunch of central banking jerks that understand how the game is played. And yes, I've talked to people that actually work at the Federal Reserve before, and and they're like, well, you know, we, we do have a policy, and we do what we can to, to make sure that everything runs well. And I, and I get in a debate with them, and I say, but… But your policy is 100% speculation. So how can that be a policy? Like, Josh, how can it be a policy to just go, well, we think that the money supply should be this. Well, where are you getting that number from? I don't know. We just – we got a bunch of computer programs that told us that's what it should be, and that's where we're at. It gets back to this this kind of uh, I mean people people like to call it Reaganomics, but obviously it's much older than than Ronald Reagan. Uh, this idea that that the Federal Reserve can kind of uh, piss out this money and it just trickles down onto your face and you're gonna like it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so whatever whatever kind of metric system they use for quantitative easing or special drawing rights or bailouts. At the end of the day, the people getting it uh, are people that don't have the interest of the American public in mind and never claimed to have the interest of the American public in mind. Uh, well, so when, this is in the interest of – if we're going to protect American interests, which American interests, everybody, <laughs> little hashtag for you, American interests do not mean you. They mean the corporations and the bankers. The Anglo-American empire, yeah, exactly. There you go. Uh, yeah, because yeah, because and it, it flabbergasts me when people stand up there and, and can honestly uh, kind of swallow this bullshit when when they say that these that the bailouts of two thousand eight and two thousand nine were were for the for the sake of the American. Well, we had to the save American the economy. Tax. What would we do? Just let all the banks crash? Uh, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. Because you know what happens in business if you. If you make a faulty product and it kills a bunch of people, guess what? That product goes away. So. Yes, if you make a faulty if you make a faulty bet with my money and you lose it all, you need to go away. I mean, it's really just that simple. So, Josh, we got a minute and a half here, man. Man, that just flew by talking to you. Um, any last uh, last thoughts for everybody? Um, also, point out a couple of um, nice, uh, I guess, quick learning exercises for people or good videos for people to watch to to expand more on what we've talked about here briefly. Oh, man. Uh, It's not a quick video, but if anyone wants to look up the ultimate history lesson on YouTube, it's five hours long. It's a series, so each episode is one hour. Uh, You can watch it at your leisure. Uh, It's probably the most fascinating five hours you'll ever spend in your life. I kid you not. Um, but uh, as far as uh, me and my work, if if you want mm-hmm. to, uh, to to follow kind of what I do, uh, right now I'm with uh, the Journalistic Revolution at journalisticrevolution.com, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and and those guys have me on their radio show uh, every Sunday night 
uh, from 11 to 1. I understand it's a little bit late for most people. Uh, I had an old website, uh, which is still up. Uh, you can find it at uh, cerebralindustrialcomplex.com. Cerebral, like brain, uh, industrial complex, like military. Uh, and I, I've got a almost 15 hours of kind of educational material in the form of a podcast on there and a few articles. I'm shifting to a new media venture right now and a new website, which will uh, hopefully be up soon. And I can tell all of your uh, wonderful listeners about that uh, mm-hmm. as, as that gets done. But but for now, those are those are the two places that you can find me on the Internet. But uh, forget me. Go go listen to the Ultimate History Lesson. It's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's it for the show, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, once again, uh, my stuff is wearenotcattle.net. Follow me on Twitter, wearenotcattle, the number one. And um, like my Facebook page. Man, I went over 100 likes on Facebook, and I never even promote that stuff. So, um, nice. And if you like the show, um, you know, share it with uh, people you know, people you like, and, and let's try to get a buzz going, and let's try to shift the paradigm of conversation to something that actually matters, everybody. So once again, thanks for listening. And uh, hey, I'll, um, I'll put up a post this weekend about the, um, about the broadcast. I'm going to try to talk Josh and Matt, depending on how tired they are, into doing a podcast with me this weekend. They will be um, at my house on Saturday. So um, DHS, if you want to go ahead and get an early jump on us, um, we'll all be here at my place. So thanks for <laughs> listening, everybody. Have a good one. Um, peace, love, and liberty. Oh!